0: Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the seventh Sunday of Easter in Year C. Victorious is the theme that we've been following throughout this Easter season, thinking, of course, of our Lord's victory over sin and death and hell, but not only his victory, but ours as well. By faith in him, we share in his risen life, we share in his victory, both ultimately and right now in this life by faith. So today we are thinking about the seventh Sunday of Easter uh, and the theme, Unity Marches Victorious in Diversity, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Um, I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. With me today is Pastor Paul Zell, who serves Living Savior Lutheran Church in Hendersonville, North Carolina, And also with us today is Professor Bill Tackmeyer of Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Dr. Tackmeyer teaches Old Testament and homiletics. So the theme today is Unity Marches Victorious in Diversity. I think it'll become clear where that theme comes from as we get into the scripture readings for the day. Uh, Unity, that concept we'll see comes from Jesus' high priestly prayer, Um, a familiar section of that from John 17 diversity, think of where we are headed. Uh, And we got a preview of this in the last episode as we talked about the ascension of our Lord and how Jesus, before his ascension, said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we're coming up quickly on Pentecost Sunday too, those themes of the gospel going out to all people of all nations. So Jesus' prayer for unity is answered in the diversity of the Holy Christian Church, the global church, and his gathering of believers from all nations. So uh, let's start with you, Paul. Could you uh, walk us through the scripture readings for this Sunday?
1: Yes. Um, The first lesson for this seventh Sunday of Easter and maybe it's just worth pausing for a second. This it it's sort of a pulling together of a number of the resurrection themes that we've been celebrating. Uh, the first lesson is apostles who preached the resurrection in Jerusalem are now heading out. You know, Paul and 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 and, and Silas and Timothy, and the Holy Spirit directs them not where they had thought maybe would be the wisest place to go, but to actually to Europe, to, to Macedonia. Uh, they concluded from the vision that they saw uh, that they should go and preach the gospel there because these two are to be included in the kingdom. So the, the book of Acts theme, which was really set with the, the ascension reading of witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth is being played out there. Um, Revelation. We've had a number of readings from Revelation during the Easter season, and this is the—it's the capper. It's, the, it's the, the the final chapter, the final passage where uh, this church, which is of every nation, tribe, people, and language, uh, the the bride of Christ uh, joins with the Spirit to invite Christ to come and and bring about this this grand gathering. Uh, those that uh, drink of the, the free gift of the water of life. Um, and that the, the gospel of the day is what sets the tone for all this, John chapter 17, 20 to 26. And I'll, if the moderator allows that, <laughs> turn that over to Bill to, to have us start looking at John 17.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Bill, can you get us into that uh, reading that's going to be the sermon text for this week?
2: Sure. Uh, I think this is a great text to preach on the Sunday after the Ascension, uh, because in Ascension, we see Jesus ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And here we have the end of Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's the last seven verses of John Seventeen, beginning at verse 20. And it goes so well with the progression that's in the Apostles' Creed that we profess that Jesus ascended into heaven and then sits at the right hand of the Father. This text is going to be beautiful for allowing us to preach on how Jesus intercedes for us now that he's at the right hand of the Father. And even though it's set On Maundy Thursday in the upper room, you can tell from the very first verse, verse 20, that he's thinking not just about his disciples. He's prayed for them up to this point in the high priestly prayer. But now he turns to those who will hear their message and who will believe in him because of the message that they proclaim. So it's wonderful to hear that Jesus is our high priest who's at the right hand of the Father, and who intercedes for us. So I think this is, this is a beautiful time in the church here uh, to take this, the, take this text and uh, to preach on it. Uh, another thing that I'd like to point out about this text is how it is so relational. What struck me as I dug into the Greek of this text is how many pronouns are in it. I counted them up and there's an amazing 41 pronouns in the Greek in just seven verses. And Jesus continues to interweave the same three pronouns. It's always you father, me, and them. And Jesus so, uh, so artfully Uh, talks about how his relationship to the father is so close. And now these people have this relationship with him. But he's praying also that these individual people who will be drawn into that one holy Christian church, how they are so intimately related with one another. Um, I find that not only with the pronouns, but really with Almost all of the words in this particular text, the prepositions are very much relational. With, in, through. Uh, You can hear this this back and forth between the people who are involved. Or uh, the nouns even show the interconnectedness of them all. I notice how he uses words like cosmos in here. um, The the whole creation of God, the whole world. Um, and then the verbs too, uh, they are so relational. Send keeps on repeating and give and know and love. Well, well, each one of them uh, is about a subject who sends someone um, and people who know one another, persons of the triune God who know one another, who love one another, and then communicate that love uh, to uh, the people of this world.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Yeah, great insights. Just the relational emphases of the text in all those different ways. it it comes through so clearly Jesus close connection relationship with the father, uh, his connection with his disciples and his prayer that they be closely united with one another uh, and the father. Yeah. And, and very, to me, typical of John's gospel too, isn't it? Just kind of these um, simple yet profound thoughts. Um, I in them and you in me, uh, them united to one another. Um, Yet, uh, yeah, profound that we we could think about them and ponder them uh, for a lifetime, too. Um, well, maybe if we could get into kind of thinking about um, preaching the text, um, what sort of emerges, and I think, Bill, you were getting into this already with your emphasis on the relational aspects of the text, what kind of emerges as a, a main point of the text that um, we could encourage preachers to think about as they kind of form the, the backbone of their sermon and start building around that. Bill?
2: Well, I think first and foremost, uh, zero in on the phrases that talk about the relationship of the father and the son, you know, before you get into the relationship uh, that Jesus has with the people, but really that this love that God has for the world, it comes to us through his son, Jesus. And, um, uh, uh, so many deep doctrinal things in here that, that the father loved the son before the creation of the world. You know, that th- th- this love that, that, um, that emanate, emanates from the father, um, uh, it, it, is, it comes from his heart and uh, shows the relationship that he and the son have uh, because everything else in the text uh, has to flow out of that. So I, I would say, uh, first and foremost, this love, this relationship that the Father has with the Son. Yeah.
0: So the father loving the Son, and then from that flows uh, these other relationships also. Great. Uh, Paul, anything to add to that as we kind of, you think about uh, wrestling with this text and and zeroing in on a main point to bring across in the sermon?
1: Gary Baumler in the in the People's Bible Commentary puts that puts a number of the spirals in the Gospel of John. You know these themes that John spirals through, and and, and Bill pointed out so many of them, and that you know so so the way we logically think it's going to go point uh, one point two point three and and it's. It, it's a little challenging for us to see these points that they get spiraled through over and over again. I, obviously, another one is um, the, the, the unity. So the love of the, Bill mentioned the, the Father loved the Son before the creation of the world. Uh, the, the, the unity of the Father and the Son, which then, of course, is in the, uh, in the as, as the word is proclaimed and believed, then, uh, then those who hear the message are are brought into this unity. So there's there that that oneness is uh, an, another theme that's getting spiraled through here. In the in the um, theme that was mentioned for the Sunday that our moderator mentioned early on, um, it's uh, the the the. Um, Easter marches forward in diversity, but of course, the diversity doesn't remain diverse because the diversity becomes unity um, as the Father and the Son, so also uh, we, we with, with the Father and the Son and with one another. So again, I guess I keep saying that, that word unity, united oneness, is uh, clearly here, strongly so right uh, Bill
2: um, could I piggyback on what Paul is saying uh, you know that unity comes up so beautifully in verse twenty two with uh, that they may be one as we are one, and then in twenty three um, I and them and you and me in order that they may uh, they may uh, be brought to complete unity there's another one of those hens in um, in the Greek text. And it occurred to me that I wonder if uh, Jesus or, or John, because he's the one writing this in Greek, is really playing off of that unity by interspersing the prepositions N all the time. Um, that really they're spelled the same way. Uh, and, and it's another interesting way in Greek that you can bring home that point about being unified that I am in you and you are in me. That That's how closely unified we are. I thought yeah. that was an interesting tidbit.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's it's the difference between a rough breathing mark and a smooth breathing mark, right? Uh, between hen and hen. Um, but right, playing together, the unity, uh, That we share because by faith we are in Christ. Uh, Christ is in the Father, and and therefore we are united to one another. Um, Excellent. How about um, preaching law and gospel, if we think in those terms related to this text? Um, What comes out as um, uh, a problem, a sin caused problem that we might point to and uh, focus in on our listeners? Uh, and on ourselves first, of course, and uh, and then kind of the answer to that in a gospel emphasis from the text. Ideas that can help guide preachers to preach law and gospel?
1: I'll go, I'll go first, I, yeah. because I think there's a couple different ways you could do this. Uh, one is suggested by the, yeah. the the, you see that word diversity and the way the way the world deals with that, yeah, obviously, we're all so different from one another. And and even even if ethnically I may be the same as similar to somebody else, there's still this this diversity of personality and of of, of gifts and of likes and of dislikes. And uh, I I can resent that. Uh, so so in so many ways, others are different from me or I can adopt the, the, the approach that the world really wants to foist on us that, well, you follow a certain methodology, you can, you, you can find some, some unity to, to come up with. You, you celebrate your diversity and just by celebrating diversity, you you, you become united and you appreciate one another. Um, and what Jesus obviously is, is praying for and what has happened, In in, as the father hears his prayer, is that unity is, the diversity may remain there, and yet in that diversity, there is this marvelous unity uh, similar to that of the father and of his son. That's that's an astonishing thing. Uh, Those who have been and always will be united from eternity to eternity, that like that, uh, those who believe the message of the apostles, the message of Christ, will will be made one. It's it's really the only truly effective uniter, and uh, to the, the gospel is, and and we, we, we get to proclaim it, um, confident that the Father is hearing the prayer of His Son, and that this is this is taking place. So from from frustration over diversity, and from maybe even resentment of how the, the world suggests we ought to handle that to this joyful prayer being, you know, being answered as the, the, the word of Christ is proclaimed.
0: Great. Would you like to add to that, Bill, or uh, other th- aspects of law and gospel in this text?
2: Uh, Yeah, I guess when I first started thinking of a problem or a malady in the text, I couldn't see one stated explicitly, um, but I think Paul is right. Um, The animosity that exists between human beings, uh, that Jesus has to pray to the Father that unity be achieved, um, shows that there's a hidden diverseness among us or a, a, a lack of unity in us. So I think even though it's not really stated in the text, it clearly is there as the problem that kind of lies in the background. And in our world today, aren't we discovering that more and more that um, that there is uh, animosity uh, among the people of the world and human beings always try to cover it up, but it takes more than just human effort uh, to bring people together. Uh, it it it's something that God has to do, and the inner workings of the Triune God—they uh, alone have the solution uh, to this uh, fractured uh, cosmos or this fractured world that we live in.
0: Right, only uh, the Triune God Himself can provide the solution to this, or has the power to do that. Um, that is beautiful gospel, though, as as Paul mentioned too uh, that the unity that we share as uh, believers in Christ, I mean, as wonderful as it is, we're still who we are and we see each other as sinner saints in this world, that Jesus would even put us in the same ballpark and the unity that we share with him and the father, you know, united from all eternity. uh, Wow, it it just um, so beautifully kind of elevates us um, by his grace uh, to share in, in a similar unity. So, yeah, beautiful gospel to counter, right, all those, uh, the animosity that's there and the disunity that we feel and observe throughout the world and, you know, coming from our own sinful natures. Um, other thoughts uh, to that point? Or um, uh, how about um, applications of this text? Um, wh- or we could, if you want to use the term appropriation too, uh things that we're aiming at that we want our listeners to grasp more fully, uh, internalize, maybe something to put into practice based on this text by the power of the Spirit. Uh, Thoughts about appropriation application? Bill?
2: Uh, Paul brought this one up earlier. I can't remember if it's before we started uh, um, recording or after, uh, but he pointed out how for many of our congregations today, Trying to get everybody on the same page with something like, how do we handle COVID? You know, some people are very concerned about wearing masks. Others feel that it's unnecessary and it's burdensome. But this text calls us to show the same kind of unity that the triune God shows among the three persons of the triune God. And then it says to us um, if we show that kind of unity, then the world is going to see God. It's going to see the glory, uh, you know, that Jesus left heaven uh, to to bring to us. So um, anything that would divide our congregations or um, people um, maybe within even their own families, um, uh, Jesus wants to work a miracle in us that, that we reflect his love and his unity to the world. And then they're going to, they're, they're going to see, uh, the, the beauty of the gospel. They're going to see the beauty of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, your words Bill, remind me of other things. Um, as Jesus spoke on this same night, doesn't he say in a number of different places through maybe Vine in the branches discourse or, uh, places like that. So still this same uh, Holy Thursday evening. Um, by this, they will know that you are my disciples, right? If you love one another and uh, the unity that we share and then demonstrate is a powerful example of that. Um, other thoughts for appropriation application or what you might have in mind, Paul?
1: It's, it's, Including an element that I, I think I mentioned, but maybe could be mentioned even more that this is this as the world sees this. This is not to the glory of the church. It's to the glory of the father and, and of his son. Uh, that that the world gets to see something that is, is otherworldly happening among God's people, the love for one another, the, the, the the united the the United family, um, how we treat one another as you know a a, a product of the of the, the the message of the gospel among us, that this glorifies the Father and his son. Uh, Bill mentioned and that's it's just kind of interesting that the one thing that's so much here is the relationship of the father and the son. And I was thinking, so is, do I begin with that? Is that early in a sermon on this text or is it, is it the, is it the final outcome of it? And obviously the preacher has to decide that when he analyzes what's, what's the order in which he'll lay things out in this text, um, that Christ is glorified, that the father is glorified, um, that that he is so, by the power of the spirit and, and, and the gospel, so much in us and, and evidence in us. What what a, so, so you, you, you kind of go from, yeah, I resent any efforts that I hear, yeah, we got to be united in this way uh, because a uh, politician said we should be, you know, we should be doing this or, or that. Uh, Bill mentioned, by the way, COVID, and we kind of smile at that because, this is gonna be listened to um, the, for the first time a year from 2021, 2020, 2021, but what will be dividing us then? <laughs> what, will, what will be threatening uh, threatening to divide the world at that time? Will it still be COVID or will it be something else? And again, you come back to this um, marvelous prayer of, the, of, of our high priest interceding for us that, uh, the message is proclaimed and that people believe through that message and et cetera, and so forth uh, in keeping with this text.
0: Great, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the situation, there will be something dividing people, uh, sad, but true, no matter. Um, no, yeah. Whether it's, it's, you know, the petty things that often come up in our personal lives or in a congregational uh, setting um, there's always something threatening disunity. And then, of course, the bigger uh, life threatening things uh, on the national scale or global scale. Um, uh, I don't think we're, whatever preacher is preaching this in whatever setting won't have to look too hard for examples of disunity. Um, they will be there. Um, but the, yeah, the, the unity that we are given. Through Jesus, uh, truly astounding um, and really a powerful gospel message here. Um, Here's a question that is this is a tough one, and I don't know if you've had a chance to think about it yet much, but how might you structure a sermon on this text? Um, Maybe, yeah, maybe you have kind of a rough outline in mind, but I know this is always difficult with texts. from the book of John, from John's gospel. I remember when I was at the seminary, uh, one of my first sermons was from Jesus bread of life discourse, I think, you know, and part one was, well, I'll cover verses one, three, five, and seven. And part two, I'll cover verses two, four, six, and eight, or, you know, something like that. Because Paul, you mentioned the the cyclical nature of Jesus mentions one thing and then he'll another thing, and then he will come back to the first thing. And then he will fold in a third, um, Any suggestions for preachers um, about how to kind of organize thoughts in a sermon like this? Uh, Bill?
2: Well, I was thinking of something like uh, united in love uh, for a theme. Mm -hmm. And then since the pronouns focus on Jesus, the Father, and uh, us, uh, doing it in a three-part uh, sermon uh, with part one, uh, united in love with Jesus, uh, united in love with the Father, um, and then united in love with one another.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, bringing out each one of those. Um, uh, yeah, you mentioned early on you, me, and them, uh, the repetition of those pronouns. And that kind of, yeah, that might form a, a basic way, a simple way to Uh, unpack the the gift of unity, the prayer for unity in each of those relationships that are there. Um, uh, Other thoughts related to how to to organize thoughts in a sermon like this or uh, ideas you're kind of uh, playing with as you you think about preaching this text? Paul?
1: Very similar to that. um, i you know, like headline, complete unity or complete unity in love. Maybe I think I'd stick with with complete unity, which is such a like. What? How can that even be possible? Um, one part would be through the through through the word of the apostles or through the word of Christ, and the the second. So the ultimate is to the glory of the Father and the Son. Uh, I, I like Bill's idea of. of taking the time and maybe the challenge of, of dividing that which was this, which is not intended to be divisible, the, the Father and the Son, so uh, complete unity through the word to the glory of the Father, uh, through the work of the Son, something like that. Um, those listening to the podcast, they didn't get to see our moderator's gesture because I was thinking the same thing. He said, "How do you how do you come up with some type of a plan?" And he was shaking his hands here, because yeah. with, with John in particular, uh, you you just you got to make a decision and you go with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do your best to be fair to what the what the text actually says.
2: Right, right. Yeah, Bill. Well, I wonder too, if Paul had kind of brought up this idea before, do you start with the love between the father and the son, or do you save that and, you know, toward the end do the glory, you know, that gets brought to the father through the son, mm-hmm. but could you kind of mimic the circular thought of John so that you begin with the, uh, the perfect love between father and son at the beginning, and then show how that love comes down to us and then return to how that redounds to the glory of Father and Son by the end of the
0: sermon. Sure, I think you could. And uh, one of the, uh, the ways to do that would be, I think we, we've mentioned it already, uh, as Jesus brings us to unity, um, the, the gospel message goes out all the more. More people are brought into his family, and the Father is glorified uh, through that. So sure. And then, then you're back to the glory of the father, uh, where you started the father glorified through the gospel that centers on the son and his work. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I suppose, you know, each preacher and you kind of know your congregation too. uh, some people are more linear thinkers. I want point ABC in order, uh, others are more, yeah, uh, nonlinear. <clears throat> and I think, uh, if, if you are the latter, uh, text from John's gospel or these discourses or hear a prayer from John's gospel, maybe an, a neat opportunity to, to let those cyclical thoughts, um, find their way into a sermon structure Bill,
2: Well, here's another suggestion so that our sermons don't all sound alike, um, Make sure that when you get a, a text like this one, uh, you focus more on the affective aspect of it compared to the more logical nature of uh, a, a, a text that's from the Apostle Paul or um, a narrative, you know, from the Gospels. Um, don't don't feel that you have to have a logical presentation for one like this because. Um, the text is much different than those kinds of texts.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a coherence here, if we could use a term like that. You know, it all fits together. It makes sense, but it doesn't proceed, um, yeah, in a strictly logical way either. Uh, so definitely, yeah, be coherent and knit knit the message together with these textual points. But um, yeah doesn't necessarily have to be a strictly logical strictly speaking logical progression right Mm -hmm. great yeah well great thoughts and and uh any uh final concluding thoughts or encouragements or or maybe possible illustrations or uh uh ones that are starting to come to mind um i guess i can't help but think of uh uh mission applications um, and what is happening more and more throughout our church body too. how uh, the Lord is just bringing people from all different cultures together um, in so many different places. Um, I heard recently a pastor from Minnesota talking about uh, how a diaspora culture, several diaspora cultures from various parts of Africa have settled in his neighborhood. And, you know, now they've got multiple cultures all kind of coming together in in one building, in one place. Um, So uh, yeah, there might be stories near you um, like that where the the Lord is doing similar things. Any other thoughts about applications? Um, Paul? I'll just kind of double down on that one and then
1: add another one. Uh, What the two of you get to see, what I once got to see at the seminary is you see kind of the much more of the work at large to use this sermon as an opportunity to share that with uh, with the people that you're preaching to, what, what the Lord is doing uh, elsewhere in the world, elsewhere in North America, uh, uniting people with the one thing, really the one and only message that that does unite them, and that is Christ crucified and, and risen. Uh, pick a, <laughs> speaking to my fellow preachers here, an article from Forward in Christ, or uh, something that you see in those little vignettes that get sent out—you um, uh, know, if you're on one of the mailing lists from uh, uh, from from the from the Senate or the, or the Board for World Missions, uh, our 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 members don't get that otherwise, and are maybe not recognizing how that is actually happening. Um, Another one, another illustration, of course, just because you just read it, is Paul and 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 Silas and Timothy going into Europe. Um, You know, a a totally different world, different people. Um, uh, Retired Roman soldiers in Philippi, and and you know, people in Berea that were. Avid students of Scripture, all these different sorts of people—Jews, uh, Gentiles—and the Lord is He He uh, He unites them uh, to one another at, and to Himself to the glory of the Father and the Son. So there's a, another illustration that's right there in one of the Scripture lessons that you read.
0: Yeah, excellent point. Um, the the Book of Acts is in so many ways. I think we might've mentioned this last week too, we're looking at uh, Acts one and the Ascension. The whole book of Acts is really a playing out of, uh, Jesus, um, saying you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Uh, and yeah, examples from Acts are, are plentiful unity and diversity. Great. So we've got a, a beautiful prayer here of Jesus or a section of that where he, uh, Extols the the relationship between him and the father, between him and us by faith, between us and one another, the true unity that he gives. Um, yeah, as Bill said, kind of the, the bringing together this fractured cosmos, um, beautiful gospel themes uh, coming through there. And uh, yeah, we pray that the Holy Spirit will encourage our listeners to, to know that unity even better, um, to foster that unity, all for the glory of the Father. Well, thanks for being with us on the Preacher's Podcast once again. God bless you as you work with this text and preach the gospel.